Congratulations to all the boomers out there. You got your wish. The Chicago Bears will not be on hard knocks. Uh, something that I really feel would have been a great opportunity for the Bears and for the franchise and a, an opportunity to really showcase what Ryan Poles has been able to do over the last number of years, getting the HBO treatment, having an inside look at this Bears team, how it was constructed. I know like a lot of the older people, like my, you know, my, my older family, uh, people who live in like Sandwich and Newark and things like that. Like, I don't want the distraction. And yet you keep forgetting, like there was some guy on Twitter who I had to eventually mute, who was like, I've been a trainer for 45 years and I would hate, I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, I would hate for somebody to come into my job and record me all the time. He didn't get that joke, by the way. But the younger generation is way different as evidenced here by my boy, Wedge Antilles Rank, who has grown up with cameras in his faces. He's on social media. Well, he doesn't have his own account yet, but he's on social media. He's on the Instagram. He's on the Facebook. He's on this show. He won't go away. He just wants to sit in with us today. But the thing of it is, like, these kids are different. They don't mind the distraction. They live for it. Their entire lives have been in front of the camera. You're going to need to turn that off, though. We cannot have that going on. But here's my thing. It's unfortunate that the Bears didn't do it. I wish they would have done it. And now we have to watch Aaron Rodgers. This is going to end up worse than we imagined. But in any event, we got a great show for you today. So, Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. But here's the thing. Shohei Otani is on the mound at home for the Angels tonight. Sammy is in Florida. So this game, this show, is going to be pre-recorded. That's right. This is not a live show as we are traditionally on Tuesday nights, but I will tell you this, when I'm on my way to the ball game, I am going to be watching along with this show. So continue to leave comments and to leave questions or do anything like that. This will give us a fun opportunity to, for me to actually be live in the chat for a change. Obviously I'm on the show, so this will be an opportunity to interact with you. So continue to do that through the show. Uh, if you want to laugh at our guests, which I hope you don't, but if you want to chime in, I will be there with you and we can discuss it. It should be a lot of fun. The boy here, Wedge Antilles is ready to go. So in any event, uh, by the way, also our friend Carmen Vitali is on assignment. She won't be here tonight, uh, but we got to listen. Sometimes when that happens, you got to go to your friends. And I called them this morning or I text, texted them. Nobody texts. Like, I, I feel like an old man just for texting people now. No, I, I, inst, I, I instant mess, inst, DM'd him on Twitter. But in any event, um, he is one of the best minds in all of fantasy football. Uh, obviously, you might know me from the NFL Network and all that kind of stuff doing fantasy football. But this is a guy that when I'm stumped, do I start this guy or that guy? I go to him often. Uh, he's a fellow Jay Cutler apologist like me. And you know what? You saw him last night on football night in Chicago with Mark Carmen. Uh, let's welcome to the show right now, Dave Kluge. Thanks Dave. for having me, Adam. How are you living? Doing great, man. And I got to say, yesterday was my first time on football night in Chicago, and I was thrilled to be on. And then I saw that I had to follow you up. Oh, stop. My, my hopes and dreams were just absolutely crushed. It's impossible. How do I follow up and act like Adam Rank? I mean, 
of course, you, you killed every time you're on there, you know, Stop. good friend of the show. But it was a, it was fun to watch and a really cool experience getting to chop it up with Mark a little bit last night. I've been at the comedy store and I've had to follow David Spade. So I know that I'm comparing myself to David Spade, but uh, I had to do that. And so uh, I know exactly what you were going through, but you were really good. And if, if you don't mind me pulling back the curtain uh, a little bit, I know that you said you, you felt a little bit nervous, but I watched it back. Uh, you did a great job. And unlike me, who is still dressed from his round at the golf course, who just came in in his hoodie and was like, yeah, let's just do this. Uh, you were in a, a blazer with a shirt, and I, I appreciate how much effort. You, you look professional. I look like some hobo. I, I look like this was guy. where we're at in our respective careers that like me, I'm warming up for this all day, wearing a nice press suit and you just throw back six on the golf course and then show up in your polo <laughs> and dog. It just shows where we're at in our respective careers, Adam. I love that. He immediately was like, don't tell anybody he was, I wasn't drinking on the court. <laughs> that is actually, it's kind of funny because that's one of my things. Like, I don't like, I, I mean, I've, I've obviously will enjoy a beer here and there. But I, I don't like doing it when I'm golfing. For whatever reason, I know it goes counterintuitive to the way a lot of people live their lives. I can't do it. It just, it's not enjoyable for me in that respect. All oh, those you all, time. I, I, I was not insinuating that you sound. No, like, no, no. I know. Yeah, I, know, I, know, you, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I I know that right now. But it's uh, it's funny because like I people send me those memes and are those reels or anything like that. I'm like, how do people like? Why do you do that to yourself? I love. Listen, nineteenth hole, I'll hit you up. I'll stop. There's like, we go to rip beer company after uh, we play in long beach over here. So uh, we have a good time with all that stuff, but I appreciate you joining us here today. What I wanted to do with you. Uh, I know that I, I put this on the, on the Twitter and I'm like, Hey, if you guys have any questions, you know, let us know. They're all fantasy questions, which I should have anticipated. <laughs> I want to talk to you though, a little bit about the Chicago bears. I know we haven't been able to chop it up about the bears over the, uh, uh, recently. Uh, so I wanted to see, and I put this to you, I wanted to get some of your hot takes, like not like not 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 mild, not not the mild salsa you get from Trader Joe's. I want picante. I want ghost pepper, three alarm, thermonuclear, El Diablo, whatever it is. Uh, I want to do it. So I, I'll just tee you up and we'll go back and forth with these and I'll see. I'll 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 judge the level of spiciness. But let's start about Justin Fields. Let's I, I'm curious your thoughts on him. What is your spiciest take on Justin Fields? So my spiciest take, and it's unbelievable. I mean, anybody that's watching the show is probably a Bears fan, and they know by now that the Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. I mean, We're we're well aware. Exactly. Not even our boy Cutler's done it. But guess what? Going into the 2024 season, people will not be able to use that against us. One of my spicy takes is that Justin Fields will pass for 4,000 yards this year. Whoa. I know. I know it's a crazy one. And last year I got so much flack throughout the entire industry. I was one of the few people that said that he was going to rush for 1000 yards and everybody started pulling out the nerd metrics from college. And well, he only rushed this much in college. So it's physically impossible for him to do it. (laughs) But sometimes you just got to look at what your eyes are telling you. You know, we spent so much time digging into the data and trying to hit these projections. But at the end of the day, he hasn't been playing in an offense that is really tailored to his skill set, which is a very good passer. I mean, last year he had to throw to the likes of Equinemius St. Brown for like, you know, a, a catch that was going to decide the game. And, uh, you know, you got Amir Smith Martset getting the ball yanked out of his hands to lose the game at the end of the game. Now, when you look at who he has with DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney back and healthy and Chase Claypool, who I got to be honest, I know you're a big Chase Claypool guy. I'm not yeah. at 
about him, but as a wide receiver three, that's unbelievable. Robert Tunyon, you know, may not be the best all-around tight end, but a great pass catcher. Roshan Johnson out of the backfield, beefed up the offensive line. They are doing everything they can to set Justin Fields up for success. And I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show, uh, Football Night in Chicago. I know it's lazy to make the comparisons to what the Arizona Cardinals did when they traded for DeAndre Hopkins to help Kyler Murray. And then, of course, Bills when they brought in Stephon Diggs to help Josh Allen. And then just last year, we saw it with the Philadelphia Eagles bringing in A.J. Brown. But you know what all of those teams did the year after they traded for that stud wide receiver like the Bears just did for D.J. Moore? They upped their pass rate significantly. So last year, we saw this like, World War II-esque type of (laughs) offense where they just did not want to throw the ball at all. But now they have built out the personnel to have a high-flying passing offense. And what we need to see from Justin Fields, you know, I'm I'm throwing away those first five weeks of the season when they weren't throwing the ball at all. But from week five onward, we saw him passing for about 170 yards per game. He would need to tack on an extra 65 yards per game to hit that 4,000-yard mark, which is a lofty goal. But we saw him do it in college. He's got the personnel now. Put it down that Justin Fields is going to throw for 4,000 yards this year. I love it. And I love the the image of this offense, of the Bears offense in 2022, being perfectly suited for 1952 at Wrigley Field as the uh, the Bears play host to the Chicago Cardinals. Uh, and they're out there running the football and, and doing all those things and really not taking advantage of what Justin Fields is as a pocket passer. I want to go back to the thing you were talking about with getting DJ Moore because I really do believe that I, – I, I know that people push back on this all the time, and they do – no, 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 this is important. We need to talk about this. People push back on the notion, like, don't compare DJ Moore to Stephon Diggs. I'm like, why not? Like, they're, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to concede that Stephon Diggs is a better receiver than DJ Moore. I think that Stephon Diggs, is as great as he is, and I think he's a great player, top 10 wide receiver, absolutely. DJ Moore has been hamstrung by the franchise that he's been playing for. And to me, that is a significant thing to him. Why, why he hasn't been as natu- nationally renowned as some of these other guys. I think it's an absolute apt comparison. We had Matt Harmon on of Yahoo Sports a couple of weeks ago. He said the same thing. I just think it's people that just want to hate on the Bears and don't want to give them credit because if DJ Moore had gone to any other team that needed a wide receiver, they would be lauding this as like the best trade of the last decade. Yeah. Now, now I can talk about all like the super nerdy numbers, you know, his target share and his average depth of target and his air yard share and all of these numbers that tell us that he has the profile of a wide receiver that is set to explode. But let me just put it in layman's terms as simple as possible right now. You know, if we want to look at pre Buffalo Bills, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Uh, DJ Moore has averaged more yards per season than he did over that stretch. And then if we want to look at pre Philadelphia Eagles, AJ Brown. DJ Moore has averaged more yards per game than AJ Brown did. So both of these guys were good receivers in their own respect. Talking about Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown. I'm not going to make the comparison to DeAndre Hopkins because he was getting it done with Matt Schaub and Brock Osweiler. And it didn't matter. But Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown, they were both hampered by the offenses that they were in. And then we saw them explode on their new teams. And DJ Moore has that same exact profile where he is drawing a ton of targets. He's drawing targets deep downfield. He's making yards after the catch. He's making contested catches. He's just been on a very low volume offense with poor quarterback play. So now if we up that pass rate, and we're getting more accurate passes from Justin Fields. Sky's the limit for DJ Moore. He could realistically be one of the best receivers in the league. This feels like it's leading into a hot take. Do you have a DJ Moore hot take? So this is more of a DJ Moore slash 
fantasy hot take, but I think, you know, looking at, uh, you know, fantasy production, I think that DJ Moore has what it uh, takes to be a top five wide receiver. And I know that sounds crazy, especially looking at the Bears offense last year. They simply didn't have the pass volume to support a guy that could finish as a top five fantasy weapon. But like I said, when talking about those other situations where these teams went out and uh, traded for a stud wide receiver, first of all, Let's look back at last offseason. That was one of the first things Ryan Pohl said in his second press conference. They asked him what he was going to do to help develop Justin Fields, and he was very blunt. He said, I want to look at what some other teams have done, and he talked about the Arizona Cardinals, and he talked about the Buffalo Bills and what they did to develop those young quarterbacks by getting them a very good wide receiver that they can lean on. Having a good wide receiver like that is going to help the quarterback develop trust and just develop all around. So that's why I keep going back to this comparison, because Ryan Pohl's himself said that that's what he wants to do to help Justin Fields. So if this team is able to up their pass rate, um, you know, you know, DJ Moore could easily finish as a top five wide receiver. Air yard share is something that I've now mentioned twice on this show. And what that is, air yards are when a quarterback throws the ball, whether it's completed or not, how far downfield he's throwing that ball. So, you know, just talking, pulling these numbers out of thin air, say a quarterback throws for a thousand air yards. The percentage of those air yards that go to a wide receiver would be their air yard share. DJ Moore led the league in air yard share last year. 48% of the air yards that were thrown by the Carolina Panthers went DJ Moore's way. What that tells us is that DJ Moore gets open and he gets open deep downfield. And that's where Justin Fields thrives as a passer is throwing the ball deep downfield. So one other thing that I noticed, you know, again, looking through these metrics, there were only two wide receiver, I'm sorry, there were seven wide receivers last year that were top 25 in both average depth of target, how far the ball is getting downfield, and target share, which is how many targets uh, the team is throwing that are going their way. Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore were two of those seven wide receivers. And the other names on that list, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, the names you'd expect to be up there. I mean, they are building this offense to tailor to exactly what Justin Fields does best, and that's throw the ball deep. You know, if you're enjoying this show and if you're enjoying Dave being able to just put out this information so professionally, so logically, while this kid is sitting here making circus faces at him, I think that's, listen, of anything that you've ever done, your next gig that you do on, on television or on camera, I should say, uh, it's going to be a, a, a cakewalk. I am so impressed by how well you're able to articulate what you're saying with this guy. Making, I'm used to it by now. You know, as a father, you're just like, whatever. Like, this is, this is the way my life is. Like, this is every conversation I ever have. But I do love that, what you're saying about Justin Fields and DJ Moore, because anytime you look at Justin Field highlights, from Ohio State, even his time at Georgia. It's always a deep pass, like him just dotting guys, like throwing the deep ball. And the receivers that he's throwing to are guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I believe Jamison Williams might have been one of them. I don't know. Wait, am I getting that right? But in any in any event, Jackson, it's always Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. When he had his breakout. Yeah. So all those throws from his college are deep balls. You think about DJ Moore. I mean, what was his most uh, his most not famous, but I guess like his most well-known play from last season was the PJ Walker bomb against the Atlanta Falcons last year. He catches the deep ball. And so as, as marvelous as Justin Fields is as a runner and he is, and he's fantastic. Everybody overlooks how good he is as a deep ball thrower. And I don't want to make the comparison because I'm an angels fan, but it's a lot like Shohei Otani where it's like he can pitch, but he can also hit a ton. And I think that's the thing about DJ Moore is like 
he can run, obviously, but he's also got the arm to get it done. And we're going to see that accuracy really come into play this season, especially with a wide receiver like DJ Moore. And it's going to line up. I like that you're using DeAndre Hopkins because I always forget about that one because I always go to Stephon Diggs. I always go to uh, A.J. Brown last season. And the funny part of this, too, is that next year, either uh, probably maybe both teams, Houston and Carolina will have to eventually find a number one wide receiver for their guy. You know what I'm saying? Because like, unless you think Nico Collins is going to end up being the stud or who's that Terrace Marshall, like those guys, like, but you got it. Adam Thielen. Like, that's the thing. Like those guys, it's so fun looking even I I know Michael Pittman's there, but like Anthony Richardson might eventually need like that kind of guy. It's just the way that the NFL works now is that these guys, and it'll probably be, I guess he Jutton, like it's not going to be Justin Jefferson, but like Justin Jefferson getting traded to the Colts or something crazy like that. That's just the way the NFL works now. And it's working out for the Chicago bears. That's why I'm so excited for everything. Where were you? Let me ask you this. Where were you? Do you remember where you were? Like, I, this is going to be so nerdy for me. I mean, I was at work. I was at the NFL network, so it's easy for me to remember, but do you remember where you were when DJ Moore was traded? Cause it was the most exciting. Like I, I think I was on with our, our producers here who actually, t- uh, they were the ones that broke it to me uh, while I was at work. Uh, do you remember where you were when DJ Moore was traded? Cause I, I was so excited. I, I do. And First of all, I'm sorry to really bring the mood down on the show. I was at home mourning the loss of my dog that we had put down the day before. Oh, so my God. I, I remember, remember exactly where I was. I remember this. I do. Was, because I, I, anytime somebody talks, tells the dog stories, <laughs> like I, I, I can't help it. So I, I do remember you going through. I do remember this now. Yeah. And I actually wrote like a little journal entry that I shared yes. publicly with you that really helped me cope a lot. So yeah, that's where it was. But just to talk about it, I mean, it, it is crazy how you remember those moments because you asked me about DJ Moore, but I can tell you where I was in the 2009 offseason when I was 18 years old and the Bears traded for Jay Cutler. I was working at Champ Sports and this was like before, uh, you know, texting was a common thing. Huh. So I get a call from my stepdad and I answer the call as I'm on the phone with my stepdad. I get a call from my best friend. I get a call from my brother and everybody is called the bears just traded for jay cutler so those moments it is kind of unbelievable like you can remember exactly where you were at that moment unfortunately i'm just not going to have the best memory you know wiping tears from my eyes oh man the dj Moore trade did you did you meant you probably mentioned this to me too in a slack you're like hey don't bring up the dj Moore thing i i'm so sorry if i'm just showing a little bit of my vulnerability here adam help me connect with your audience it's great i i I, I just think I didn't think about that. Cause I do remember like once you brought it up, like I do remember you did that. Cause like, cause I have pictures of my dog who I lost over a decade ago, uh, still on my phone just to like, cause anybody's like, let me see a pet photo. Like I still want to share it. And I still want to yeah, get tattooed on my wrist here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, that's the thing. I still have the dog's tag on the, I know people don't use keys anymore cause everybody's got fobs, but uh, my dog's tag is still on my keychain, So I will never let that go. So uh, I'm with you on that one. So oh, I didn't mean I to bring up all, I, I, I didn't mean to bring up. No. <laughs> when, when the trade went through, the thing I was most excited about when I was looking at that trade is that we got Carolina's first next year. And I thought yes. that was super exciting because I thought they were going to have a really high first. And then it seems like the rest of the NFC South just kind of threw in the towel on this season. Well, the Carolina Panthers did everything they could to improve and put themselves in win now. I thought the Carolina Panthers were looking at this multi-year rebuild. Then they go out and they bring in Thielen. They bring in DJ Chark. So now I'm kind of concerned because what I was hoping would be like a top five, top ten pick. 
might, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers, if Bryce Young can put it together, realistically could sneak into the playoffs this year. So that was kind of disappointing after the DJ Moore trade to see the Panthers decide to go all in on contending this year. Well, I will tell you this is actually the Atlanta Falcons are the team that I, I have picked to win the NFC South. I think that with Arthur Smith being in what his third season, third or fourth year, they brought in Bijan Robinson, our friend, um, Charles at, at Yahoo Sports had the great phrase of the Atlanta Falcons are the NFL's version of an and one mixtape. I love that. I, I love it. And their defense, they brought in Calais Campbell. That division sort of sucks. I think that the New Orleans Saints can be competitive with Derek Carr. The only team that I feel like is going to go complete General Patton and go into the tank commander is the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh my gosh. With uh, like that, that could be a terrible team. So I think that Carolina is going to end up getting more wins than we would like, but it's still, we'll still have two because the bears will have a playoff pick. So they'll be in the twenties. Carolinas will be in the tens to 17 type of range. It'll be all right. We'll be fine. We're not always take those two seconds and move up too. like, if we got two picks in the twenties, you move that up into a top 10 pick. So they're going to have a ton of flexibility. They got a lot of draft capital going into the next year. So regardless of what happens this year, the bears are sitting pretty for years to come. Uh, Last year, you know, you're you're joking around about your son making faces. Nothing could have been worse than last year when I got on your podcast and said that the bears were going to win three wins and I was getting lambasted by the chat. So I'm kind of happy that we're pre-recording today. So I don't see all that. But last year, I was pretty pessimistic on the Bears' outlook, but what they you have were. done over the last year, I'm cautiously optimistic this year, but, man, they got some fun things in place. I mean, whether Justin Fields pans out or not, which I absolutely expect him to pan out, but if for whatever reason he doesn't take that big step forward as a passer, they've got the draft capital next year that they can move up for a quarterback in the draft, and they've got everything you need to plug any quarterback in for success. They've got the offensive line. They've got the pass-catching weapons. They've got a great committee backfield. The Bears are a really, really fun team, and I don't know how you can look at this current roster, future draft capital, and not be excited about the outlook. You know, what's funny is I know you said three wins last year. I'm not going to give you credit for that because I still feel you are wrong. You got, you were correct. Like ultimately you were correct. Like my friend, the time that we were in Vegas playing blackjack and he hit on a 19 and got a two like that. Okay. You won, but your process was wrong. No, I'm just teasing you. Um, I'm still butthurt because every year I'm super optimistic on the bears. And I'm sure at some point uh, somebody is going to be pointing out that my son's wearing a green shirt on this show. I'm going to say he's representing Notre Dame, if that helps it. He loves green too much, and it really bothers me because every team that I hate wears green. Packers, Celtics, Oakland A's. It's just it's it's obnoxious. And then here he is. I got to sit here with this, this kid in green. I got to get him some sick merch. But I want to ask you, though, about the running back room. Give me a hot – because I've heard a lot of people. We had Brian Perez on last week. He was not very thrilled. He wasn't very – Loquation. I don't know what the, the proper word, like a lot of us, I uh, fantasy dorks love Roshan Johnson. He's not feeling it. What is your hot take for the bears running back room? So first of all, let me talk about Khalil Herbert. Um, because you know, again, I yeah. spend so much time looking at the nerdy numbers and metrics and stuff like that. I don't know if people realize this, but Khalil Herbert was genuinely one of the best running backs in the league last year. Like when you look at Juke rate, broken tackle rate, missed tackle rate, rushing yards over expectation, breakaway run rate, all that stuff. Consistently in that top quadrant of the graphs, it is Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, and Khalil Herbert as like the three best pure runners on an analytical basis last year. That is good company to be a part of. 
Unfortunately, though, what Khalil Herbert lacks tremendously is the abilities in the passing game. You know, he's not good at catching the ball and he's not good at pass blocking either. So that when I look at them going out and spending a fourth round pick on Roshan Johnson, first of all, a fourth round pick doesn't sound like much, but a fourth round pick for a running back is actually a pretty big investment with the way the NFL is changing and starting to push the value of running backs down a little bit. A fourth round pick for a running back now isn't that much different than a second round pick and a running back 10, 15 years ago. It's just the way that the market has changed in the NFL. So pretty big investment they made in Roshan Johnson. And you can argue that he is actually the best pass blocker of this draft class. So when you look at what he brings to the table compared to what Khalil Herbert lacks, it seems like a very intentional move that they went out and brought in Roshan Johnson. So I guess if you're asking me to take a hot take out of uh, (laughs) what I'm thinking with this backfield, it would be that Roshan Johnson has the highest ceiling of anybody in this running back room. Now, I love Deonta Foreman. I mean, I loved him coming into the league. That Achilles injury knocked him off for a few years. But we had to realize Deonta Foreman, if you remember, he basically forced Adrian Peterson into retirement. I mean, Adrian <laughs> Peterson was the guy that was supposed to step in and fill in for Derrick Henry. And then Deonta Foreman just showed up coming off that Achilles tear and outperformed him. And then last year, you talked about it on yesterday's show. Deonta Foreman had five games with over 100 rushing yards. He's very good in his own respect. Khalil Herbert is very good as a pure runner as well. But neither of them are exceptionally good in the passing game. So Roshan Johnson brings that really dynamic ability to the backfield where he can catch the ball. He can run routes deep downfield. He can do things after the catch so again from a fantasy standpoint i think this is going to be a frustrating committee where we're all trying to pull our hair out you know determining who is going to be the guy to start every single week i think the team is going to commit to a rotation with these three guys but i think roshan johnson's abilities in the passing game can really set him apart and set him up to be the guy by the end of the season and then the one last thing i want to say about khalil herbert because again talking about how good he is We have to remember that it was a different staff that brought him in. You know, it was Ryan Poles, or I'm sorry, Ryan Pace Pace. drafted him to be in Matt Nagy's offense. So as good as he is, he might just not be a good fit for this offense where Roshan Johnson fits very well into the offense and what they're trying to do in Chicago. Yeah, it is interesting. And again, I I love Foreman. Like everybody's kind of like gone into a corner behind one of these running backs. The fantasy dorks, especially the ones that play Dynasty, Love Roshan Johnson. Are you in Field Yates's league with me? Because there was one, because I think it's, what's it, Brett Collarman or whatever, uh, one of the guys who works for the Chargers. Just like, I made a mistake because I, I I couldn't be there for the draft, which, by the way, dynasty drafts should not be live. It should be slow drafts. So you have an opportunity to pick your guys. Like I, I They did it during our show one time. And so I had 1.01, and I took Bajan Robinson, of course. I was going to take, Roshan Johnson, but instead I got the Colts receiver and I uh, was a Josh, uh, not Josh Downs, but um, that's the Giants. Game. But in any event, um, I'm like, hey, can you just swap this for me? He's like, oh, no way. No way. Am I giving up? Ro-? Like he's acting. Um, he's acting like uh, he's acting like uh, like he's Bajan Robinson. Like that, that would be the fair one on one trade. So it, it's hilarious to me. But in any event, um, as you talk about this running back room, and I might have mentioned this last night on Football Night in Chicago, I love all these running backs, and we still have Justin Fields, who's an effective runner. Going back to your original hot take about Justin Fields throwing for 4,000 yards, I'm not saying this against his ability or anything like that, but is it possible that we run the ball too much and so that doesn't allow us to, to, to see Justin Fields top that 4,000 yards even with the 17th game? You know, I don't think so. And I think having three running backs, we got to remember that the, like none of the two of them are still, or I'm sorry, 
Uh, two of them are still on their rookie deals. And then Deontay Foreman, yeah. they brought him in. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it, like 1.2 million, 1.3 million, something like that. They're yeah. not paying him a ton of money. So even looking at these three backs that they have under contract are still mm-hmm. cheaper than what an average feature back is getting on his second um, second contract. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to want to run the ball at the same rate that they did last year. I think they just have three guys that bring some different skill sets to the table and they're going to rotate through all three of them. The other thing with Justin Fields is last year we saw him rush for over a thousand yards, one of the few quarterbacks yeah. to do that in NFL history. You can't really draw a lot of historical comps to Justin <laughs> Fields rushing because he and Lamar Jackson are really in the tier of their own after the first two years. But I went back and I pulled historically. Um, I think I, I believe it was eight quarterbacks that have rushed for 800 yards or more in their first two years. Every single one of those quarterbacks saw a dip in their rushing output going into year three. And, you know, that's Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, you name it. All those guys saw a dip going into year three. So if you want long term success in the NFL as a quarterback, you simply have to do it as a passer. You know, uh, we've seen a lot of guys get by in their first couple of years as really good rushers. But if you want long term success, you have to pass the ball. I mean, that's just a fact. So. I think that he still is going to bring that dynamic skill set as a passer, but I don't know if they're going to have a ton of design runs for him. He's going to be able to, you know, get out in space when the the offensive line breaks down and scramble, but they beefed up that offensive line. So he's not going to be running around for his life anymore. And now they've got a better pass blocking running back that could help there. He's got more weapons to throw the ball to. One of the reasons he had to scramble so much, if it wasn't the offensive line breaking down in front of him, you can look at the all 22 tape. Every receiver was covered. He would drop back and every guy on the field was blanketed. So now he has guys that can get open. He'll have more time for protection. I don't think we see him rush for a thousand yards this year. So I think we're going to see him get a little bit more comfortable in the pocket and throw more. Probably rushes closer four to six hundred yards this year, but I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that thousand yard output we saw. Yeah, a lot of those plays and a lot of those exceptional runs that we saw last season will be throws to DJ Moore this year. That is going to be the big thing. Or him or Bob Tunyon, either one of those guys are going to be huge safety blankets for him. And still we have Cole Komet. And we like Cole Komet. I think that as a as a tight end who plays for the Chicago Bears, we love Cole Komet. Like we think he's a good player. What do you think about him fantasy-wise? What is give me a give me a hot take on Cole Komet. So I just don't think that he's fantasy relevant this year. Um, and that's really tough to say because he's great. I mean, he is a great football player. Being a good football player doesn't always mean that you're going to be a good fantasy player, though, and that's the issue right now. Last year, everything fell perfectly for Cole Komet. Like, if you look at the archetype of guys that crush in fantasy football tight end position, what they need to do is lead their team in targets. He was one of four tight ends that led his team in targets, along with Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Tyler Higby, and Cole Komet had way fewer points per game than all of them. So last year was kind of the perfect scenario. You know, they didn't have a true wide receiver one. Claypool came in midway through the season and got hurt. Darnell Mooney got hurt. Cole Komet was the number one option in the passing game and still barely finished as a back-end tight end one. Now you got DJ Moore there. Now you got a healthy uh, Darnell Mooney. Now you've got Chase Claypool, who's had an entire season to acclimate to the offense. And then you talked about it, Bob Tunyon. I don't think that he is a better tight end than Cole Komet, but he no. is a better pass catcher. I mean, yeah. he's great at busting that seam going right down the middle. So I'm afraid that what we're going to see now with Cole Komet is him getting relegated to more blocking duties. And you don't get any points in fantasy football <laughs> when somebody's blocking the ball. So now... Cole Komet goes from being the primary option in the passing game to realistically being the fourth or fifth option in the passing game. So it pains me to say, because I love Cole Komet, he's one of my favorite players on the Bears, but I've got him almost outside of my top 20 as far as fantasy projections go this year. 
Yeah, I'm the same way with you because I think that anytime they they will bring in the 12 personnel, the guy who's going to be staying in the block is going to be Cole Komet, Bob Tunyon, who now wears number 18, which will be fun yeah. to see. That that just means he's going to break. Bob Tunyon's going to score eight touchdowns just for the sheer fact that he's wearing number 18. Had he chosen like eight, 89, is probably retired, but if he had chosen like 88 or something like that, um, he would have been two touchdowns. But once he decided to go with number 18, like that's at least eight touchdowns at a bare minimum because it shows you what he what he thinks his skill set is. It's like the guy Gerald Everett last year, right? Remember, he switched the numbers, became a touchdown pass catching machine. Yeah, he was amazing in that respect because because he made the number switch, and that's what it is. Like when I play basketball, or when I played basketball, anytime I wore the number two. I just felt like I had to start hoisting three pointers, but if he gave me a number in the thirties, I would go down and grab more rebounds and do a lot of the dirty work, which is what I was known for. But oh, give me that number two Jersey. And uh, all of a sudden now I think I'm Greg Anthony. Speaking I don't know why. Is there anything sexier than Justin Fields in one and DJ Moore in two? Like, I just want to hear oh. that all season. Just one to two, one to two, one to two. I want to hear that all season long. There's so many there's so many drafts already made up in the in the Chicago Bears uh, social media accounts. It's like, oh, look at these guys on the ones and twos. Like yep. that's that is gonna. By the way, I did. Speaking of like being a, a DJ, the cans as a bald person, I look terrible because I look like Lobot. I, again, commending you for your appearance on Football Night in Chicago for wearing the ear pods. Like that's just way better. And I need to finally, at some point, invest in that. But I can't make that leap. In any no, event, those just make me sweaty. It feels like I'm wearing earmuffs. Right. I just get hot and sweaty if I wear those. So that's why I go with the AirPods. Well, the thing is, is I, I don't know if you can tell, the vinyl back there is Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. And I like to put on, I like to put, you, you have to listen to Paul's Boutique with actual mm-hmm. headphones on. Because it's a, it's an otherworldly experience. Because they were the first, they were the first, uh, recording artists to really delve into samples like and it was before like it was before you had to pay like 50 grand for a mm-hmm. sample you know what i'm saying like they could just sample things and everybody's like okay whatever it's on this album the only the only people that ever put up a fuss were acdc who won't let them play rock hard or anything like that but it was before that time so they sampled every there's like it, that album would have cost like billions of dollars to produce now with the amount of samples that's why i still wear the headphones but nobody's nobody's tuning in for this. i think it was last week I was giving a dissertation on something. Uh, I don't know what it was, but in any event, um, let's go to your prediction. Cause last year, as you said, you predicted the bears for three wins that actually came to fruition. We all hated you, but now, <laughs> now we love you again. Well, we might love you again. Uh, what is your prediction for this season? Bring us home with your spicy, fiery record prediction for 2023. I'm on record with what? 12 wins. What do you got cooking? So I'm not quite that spicy. I'm not going with 12 wins. I've got 11 wins, but I do have them taking down the NFC North, which is yes. something the Bears fans have wanted to see for a long time. I think the Minnesota Vikings are one of the most fraudulent teams out there. Yes! If you look at their Thank record you. last year. They are just the definition of a paper tiger. Don't get me wrong. Justin Jefferson, fantastic. TJ wow. Hawkinson, fantastic. But right. Kirk Cousins is just a glass of warm milk. He's not getting it done for anybody. They've got a terrible defense. And I really like what the uh, Lions are doing as well. Like, I I love Dan Campbell as a personality probably more than anything else. I think Jared Goff is very underrated. They got some good pass catchers there as well. But they also have a sieve on defense. Do we have to talk about the Packers? I think anybody watching this team is just so excited for the Packers to finally crash and burn under Jordan Love. I think we're all kind of expecting that. 
But the and Bears. By, by the way, can I, I? This goes. People don't talk about this. The Packers didn't make the playoffs in Aaron Rodgers' first season as a starter. Everybody just glosses over this fact. And Aaron Rodgers was fantastic. He was Aaron Rodgers in his first season, and the Packers couldn't win. They, the Packers know when their time is up, which is why they make the switches at quarterback. And Jordan Love could develop into a, a quality NFL quarterback. I like them coming out of Utah State. He is not Aaron Rodgers at this point of his career. Like They're not going to be a good football team. It's not happening this year. And yeah, like you said, he could develop into a good quarterback, but I'm, I'm just going to enjoy this year watching Packers fans kicking and screaming as their team wins four or five games, something that most Packers fans haven't experienced in their entire lifetime. I mean, they have just been blessed with great quarterback play. So we're, we're looking at these teams, though, and I talk about, you know, the Vikings and the Lions have really good offenses, and I think the Bears offense is going to take a step forward, but I don't think the Bears defense is nearly as bad as they looked last year or right. as they appeared on paper. There were so many three and outs due to what we talked about with no pass catching weapons, terrible offensive line that the defense, they would start these games off looking really, really good. And then by the time the third and fourth quarter would roll around, they were gassed from being on the field so much that they would start letting up plays. But I think that they have some great foundational pieces on the defensive end of the ball. So if the offense could start humming a little bit, which gives the defense time to breathe on the bench, I think the Bears' defense is much better than people realize. So on paper, all around, currently as it stands, the Bears are looking like the best team in the NFC North, and I'm hoping they take it down. Yeah, and you look at what they did uh, at, at the linebacking position. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, two guys who are immediate upgrades. I know that we lost Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, is he better than those two players? Yes, but for the money, you got two linebackers for the price of one, and what the Bears need at this moment is more players, not less players. They're not in a position where you can pay one. I know that Tremaine Edmonds is making a lot of money, but I think it was the wise move. I think that they have a better linebacking core. I think that Tyreek Stevenson, too, oh, is yeah. – I think people are overlooking it. I, I think I mentioned this on uh, – this is how much I, I say this. So it's like, did I say this here? Did I say that there? But I'll say it here. Tyreek Stevenson is going to be better than Joey Porter Jr. And when he is, I am going to let Steelers fans know about this forever. And they better hope that Joey Porter Jr. is an excellent NFL player because I will remind them for years – that they could have taken Tyreek Stevenson. This would make up, even if Chase Claypool doesn't do anything, if Tyreek Stevenson ends up better than Joey Porter Jr., that's really the conversation moving forward. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about Tremaine Edmonds. I loved Tremaine Edmonds in the 2018 draft. I actually wanted the Bears to take him instead of Roquan Smith. And now in hindsight, Ooh. I think that the right move was taking Roquan Smith because he was from yeah. day one. Like, he came out week one his rookie season, and he was a contributor. It took a few years for Tremaine Edmonds to develop. What was he, 19 years old when he got drafted? I yeah, mean, he was real young. young, and he didn't do much of anything for his first couple of years. And now that he has developed into arguably one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the league, now the Bears get him. And they might be paying up a little bit for him, but basically half the price of Roquan Smith. And that's what they need is, you know, they don't need that run stuffing linebacker like Roquan Smith. They need somebody that can drop back in coverage. So I'm thrilled about Tremaine Edmonds, man. He, he's going to be a fun guy. And Bears fans, I, I don't know how familiar a lot of Bears fans are with Tremaine Edmonds because, you know, playing in the AFC East, you don't get to watch him all the time. But he's a guy that by week one or two, everybody's going to be saying, who is this guy that is covering every inch of the field? I mean, he's a freak athlete that can really do it all. Yeah, it is odd that a lot of times when you go into free agency, guys are pretty much being paid for what they've done, not for what they're about to do. 
But I think the, the player like Tremaine Edwards, who, as you mentioned, was 19 when he was drafted. He was 20 during his rookie season. We're getting a young player. We're getting an ascending player still. Put a, a part of this defense, and that secondary is going to look pretty nice too. When you have Tyreek Stevenson playing opposite of Jalen uh, Jalen Jones, Jalen Johnson, excuse me, uh, and you have our guy Kyler Gordon in the nickel slot, I think that's a very good secondary. I think if uh, if if Travis Gibson can improve a little bit, if Dom Robinson starts to develop, we use two second round picks on the defensive line. Like I think there's a good opportunity for the Bears. They don't have to be the 85 Bears. They don't have to be the 86 Bears. But if they can make key stops, I think if you look at the the way that they, the the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals play defense, I think that Cincinnati last year ranked 16th in total defense, but. When they needed to make key stops, they typically made them, unless the referees were giving the Chiefs an extra play or anything like that. They would typically make the play. Like that was that's the kind of defense that wins in the NFL. It's great to be like, oh, we're the number one defense. But usually that's because your division sucks and you're loading up statistically in these in these couple of games where you know things are not like, you know, you can shut down a team, a shut down a horrible offensive team. But it's the ones that can make stop. New England did this for years as well. So I really love the the way that the uh, the Bears have constructed this. I feel that Ryan Poles has gone out there and and done a great job. I saw the pause because I Ryan Poles to Ryan Pace, it's too similar. So I was I, I, I made was, I made that earlier in the show. Of course, I just yeah. wanted to let you know that I I will pause. I will look I will look like what's what's going through his head. Like make sure you say the right guy's name. It, and the last thing I'll say about this defense, you know, all these names that you are mentioning here, you're talking, and you didn't even mention Jaquan Brisker, another name, but oh. Kyle Gordon and Jalen Johnson and all these guys, they are all like 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. So this defense is not only good, but still has a ton of room for growth and development. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it, it, you, you always want to look at the best case scenario, but if all these guys pan out, they have the talent on this defense to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, I love it. I, I really do. And of course, Matt Eberflus, his expertise is on the defensive side of the football. Alan Williams, of course, draw drew a lot of fire last year because the Bears, but that, that wasn't a good, I mean, they, they traded away every like marketable guy in the front seven, you know, Khalil Mack was gone. Uh, Bobby Quinn was eventually traded, you know, uh, Roquan Smith, all these things happened. And you know what? And again, we just, we wore it last year. It really was the best case scenario as I'm sitting here. And of course I'm doing my state of the franchise feature for the NFL.com as I'm writing it. When I'm talking about teams like Carolina, the Colts, I think Arizona doesn't quite fit here, but like some of these other ones, I'm like your best case scenario is to have this young developing quarterback like Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud or Bryce young or somebody like that and be terrible. Not, not the Panthers. Cause they, they don't have a first round pick. But the Colts fit this for sure. Where it's like if Anthony Richardson went out there and balled and was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing, but you were like two and 17 or whatever, however many games they play now. Um, that's the best case scenario. Like you want to know that your quarterback rules and uh, you're terrible enough to get that first pick because then it just opens up the world for you. And especially la next year with those two amazing quarterbacks coming out, presumably, uh, it'll be great for them. But uh, the Bears... And that's what we got with the Bears last year. Exactly. I mean, like, three wins, but like they had seven games that could have gone either way. They were just as close to being a 10-win team as they were to being a three-win team. But in the moment, it stung on Sunday afternoon when it's like, oh my God, we lost another tough one. But then the season ends and the Bears have the number one overall pick. And it's like, yeah, cool. All right. Those losses don't hurt so bad now. So we got to about week 15. Then you're like, I kind of hope we lose. I kind of like the, I kind of like what we've been setting up. Like, yeah, you know, like let's have a great game. Justin Fields goes out there, does a bunch of amazing things and then just lose. And then we'll end up like inching towards that first pick. 
watching that Houston game week 18, I don't know if I've ever been so excited watching a football game in my life. Like, you know, to, to 99% of football fans, a completely meaningless game, but yeah. cheering for Houston to go down the field, hitting that fourth and long, hitting the touchdown, going for the two point conversion. I wanted to just drive down to Houston and kiss Lovey Smith on the lips. I mean, that was yeah. just one of the best things I've ever seen. Like just make out with him for going out and doing that. I, you know, it's funny because we watched the games. <laughs> oh, bear for life. Absolutely. We were watching it, of course, as tradition at the Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, which again, we will be there this season. We've already locked that in. We were there watching that game. And of course, like every week we always had like the, the Bears fans. We pretty much took up the whole place. But there was a uh, a couple that would come in to watch Commanders games. There was a, a couple of Vikings guys. Our, our TV, which always had the sound, got changed to the Texans game. Uh, at some point in like the fourth quarter, because the, the Vikings, like, the Vikings guy already had his TV. So we could kind of watch over there anyways, uh, just to make sure that we didn't screw that up. The place, the loudest cheer I think we had for the entire season was the touch or the two point conversion that the Houston Texans scored. It was amazing. And people were wondering, like, aren't you, your Bears fans, you know, somebody who's not a, a, a hardcore NFL fan. I think we, we, we lose sight of this. Uh, as we're such hardcore fans, people are, just could not fathom, like, why a bunch of bears? Like, are you gambling? Like, what's going on? I'm like, no, no, no. This is far weirder than anything you can imagine, but we just secured the number one pick. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And you know what? This was a lot of fun. By the way, when I brought you in, I didn't sell your the football guys. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing for the coming season and talk about your work with the football guys? Yeah, this is year three now over at Football Guys, footballguys.com. Um, we're actually, we've been staying really oh. busy this year. We just did a, uh, a new rankings platform that you can Ooh. check out, which is completely customizable. So you put in your league settings, scoring settings, roster settings, all that stuff. And it'll actually generate a customizable cheat sheet with rankings that are specific to your league. So footballguys.com slash rankings, check that out. But then also uh, my podcast has actually been growing quite a bit. Adam, you'll have to come back on sometime. I'm yes. on the spot on air right now, but... Uh, yeah, it was just a finalist for FSWA football podcast of the year. Lost Woo-hoo. to DJ Zacharyson, so I can't even be upset about that because his show yeah. is incredible. But I was honored He's to be good. a finalist there. So the launch pad, you can find that anywhere you listen to your podcast. And uh, hopefully, Adam, you'll be on at some point soon. No, I'll come on again. I have no problem with that. I do want to uh, point out the one thing that I love about the way that you can do your customizable rankings. And this is the one thing that's very difficult. Like when you're doing... Uh, any sort of fantasy analysis or even just giving recommendations for people. It's like, you got to know what your scoring's like. Like I have like so many leagues, some leagues heavily weight quarterback score, even if it's not a two quarterback league where it's like six points for passing touchdown, negative one for an interception, you get bonuses for 300, 400, 500 yards. Those rankings are going to be much different, which is why if you're serious about fantasy football, it is worth it to spend a little bit of money. It's not as much as you think it's going to be. Go check it out. I'm sure you have some 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 cool and introductory offer as well. Like go check it out and make it plug in your league scoring settings and it'll give you the perfect type rankings. I would recommend that to everybody who's been listening. And then um, do you have anything? What do you got, boy? Nothing. Can you give a thumbs up to the football guys? No, he just can't stop that. <laughs> Give the thumbs up. No. Oh. All right. You get out of my heart. We've, we've seen enough out of you, sir. Uh, but listen, Dave, I want to thank you so much uh, for being here today. I want to thank you for enduring uh, this goofball. Again, I'm used to it. I don't even notice it at, at this point. I want to let everybody know, too, that next Tuesday is going to be the 4th of July. We will not be having a show on that day. Uh, the Canadians are like, why? 
our Canadian producers are like, why, why no show next Tuesday? And I'm like, Google 4th of July. Um, we have to blow any, off the fireworks and <laughs> we do. Yeah. That's it's an American tradition. And so, uh, we're going to be going out and doing that, but we, uh, we'll be having some shows coming up. Uh, our friends from, uh, Tacoma FD are going to be joining us here, uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a little bit of a fantasy preview. Maybe I'll have you come back for that too. If you're, if you're not busy, uh, we're going to do a fantasy blowout with the guys from Tacoma FD, which I'm looking forward to. That's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, as we get closer to bear season, uh, we're really going to ramp up the coverage, but Dave, I want to thank you. Uh, you're one of my favorites to have on because you do the two prong approach. Like I do uh, fantasy bears talk. You do it all. You did great last night on a uh, football night in Chicago. Uh, love seeing everything that you're doing, taking off and uh, don't be a stranger. I will be back on your show. And uh, that's all I got. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks very much. There he goes. The great Dave Kluge. Thanks to everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, write the word sick in the comment section. As of course, I've been around goofing off with you guys. It was a lot of fun. I can't believe this guy. I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. And Sammy, before I say bear down, go ahead and play us out. Or actually bear down and Sammy play us out. There it is. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.